Okay, we're going to go to Joel and try to finish up chapter 2. I promise you it gets, it's getting better. Um, I was actually able to use some of this uh, Monday as I was talking to an individual and, um, and dealing with it because there's one common thread that whenever, you know, People push God and they expect God to uh, bail them out. And that's and I'm going to tell you my personal feelings. It's hard to it's hard for me It's hard for me to really pray the way I'd like to pray when I'm praying for somebody that's not walking with God. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not that I don't want to pray for them, but through 40 years of ministry, I've watched people come running to God, and like old brother Andy used to say, They'd hit the door and slide on their knees for 30 feet and right up to bed and go crying out, God, I need you, God, I need you. And just as soon as God gets them out of that situation, they go right back to the same old stuff they were doing. And it's, it's, it's a part that bothers me when they turn around and come to you again, want you to pray for them, and I, I want them to get better. But folks... I want them to be right spiritually. I don't worry about the physical. If you're right spiritually, it doesn't matter if you live or die. Okay? You know, there's a time you're going to die, and there's a time you might as well get ready for that, and people need to get ready for that. But I wish people would quit wanting God just to bail them out of a mess. Because when God's judging, and that's what he's been doing, he's pronouncing his judgment on Judah. Because the only time I ever went to him when they got in a bind. As soon as things smoothed over and got to doing it, they went their own way. And they just walked away from him. But even with God's using Joel to pronounce judgment upon the nation, he began last week talking about redemption. If, if, even in this, you will turn to me. He's willing to forgive you. And that's what I want people to understand. If we would quit getting in these messes and walk with God every day, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get in some of the messes. I used to have an example when, my, when Misty was a little bitty girl. I hadn't been saved long and we was over at one of Barbara's nephew's house and he's over in Hugh Springs. You know how hilly Hugh Springs is. Well, in his backyard, it had a, it, it went, it had a little terrace drop down and went over and it dropped down again and again. And, and Misty was just walking just pretty good, just a toddler. And, and when it was level, she didn't want to hold my hand. And we'd come up to one of those hilly spots and then she'd want to hold my hand so she wouldn't fall. And God just kind of nudged me and he said, you know what? If you'd hold my hand the whole time, 
You wouldn't have to worry about falling even when it looks level. I thought, isn't that the way we do as humans? We wait till we're in a rough time and we want to reach up there and grab God's hand. But what about those hidden traps that are even on the level ground that you don't know about? You see, we ought to walk with God every day and be holding on to that hand every day. And then we wouldn't be getting ourselves in the shape we're in. Verse 18. He talks about then the Lord. When? When they've turned themselves to it. The Lord will be zealous for his land. This word zealous that we translate into the English is a word that, that reflects God's mercy and his grace. He loves this land. He loves the people. He doesn't want the drought. He doesn't want the the plagues. He didn't want all these things happening. But he knows the only way he's going to get their attention is put them in this situation. And he gets enough of it. But if they would turn, if they would come back, then he would be zealous. Folks, I don't know about you, but I want God to be zealous about everything I do. I want God to be excited and happy and in and, and doing things and blessing me Every day of my life, he says, and we'll have pity on his people. Pity is another word for mercy. Not I, we As humans, we don't understand this word pity as much. We talk about pity parties, and we want somebody to feel sorry for us. God feels pain and sorrow for those who have walked away from him, and he wants you to come back. His love for you is so much greater than you could ever imagine. And if we would just make an effort to come back to Him, then He shows mercy to us. Look in verse 19. The Lord will answer and save His people. A lot of people really struggle because they have a lot of questions and they ask God to do something. And I don't know what it is about them, but it's like, well, God, if you're real, then you need to do this. Well, God, if, if you want me to believe, then you need to show me this. Well, let me tell you this. I'm going to bust your little bubble if you're one of those people. God is real whether you believe it or not. God doesn't have to prove his reality to you. You're putting yourself in pretty dangerous situation when you begin to say, God, would just prove who you are. God said, you can accept me by faith. I've shown you all I need to show you. First of all, man has never done anything close to what God's done. And God said, I mean, did that's not what the Pharisees and Sadducees tried to do to Jesus? Well, if you be the Son of God, then... Looked at him on the cross. If you're the son of God, then just command God, you come down off that cross. That wasn't what God's will was. God wanted him on that cross. He wanted him to die on the cross. It's pretty sad when people that were so strong in, um, in, in the word weren't as smart as a 
dumb old thief hanging right next to Jesus. He didn't ask Jesus to come down off the cross. One of them didn't, the smart one. He just said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. But see, we, we, we're always trying to push God when we just need to say, God, I, I need you, I want to hear from you, and I want you to speak to me about who you are so I can understand. Not prove himself. Accepting that he is real. And, 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 and then begin to live that and follow that. Because he didn't have to prove himself. Folks, I promise you, as much as he wants you in heaven, he can live without you being there. It's your choice. Why does God let good things happen to bad people? He gave you freedom of choice, and he put you in a world that makes bad choices. So we're subject to some of those bad choices. Cancer. I, I, I do not understand cancer in kids. I've yet to understand that. That's the one I really struggle with. Adults, okay, we've lived in a life. We've eaten stuff. We've drank stuff. We've breathed stuff. We've, we've done it. I still don't know why it affects little babies. Other than they're born into a sinful, wretched world. And some of them are just acceptable. To these things. I don't know what mom and dad did. I don't know the environment where they were born. I mean, how many of you have ever uh, seen a, a drug baby? You know what I'm talking about, a drug baby? Mom was on drugs, you know, uh, doing stuff. That affects them. Dylan, little Dylan, is a drug baby. A lot of the medical problems he's having out there could very, very well maybe trace back to mom. And if you didn't know it, Amy was not his birth mom. She is his mom, but he wasn't a birth mom. They brought him in from a girl. As a matter of fact, him and Delaney are half-brothers and sisters. Uh, same mom. We used to have her come in here. But she made a lot of bad decisions while she was pregnant. Now it may be affecting Dylan there. So people are there in a way, but if they would just turn to the Lord and come back, He wants to pour out a blessing on us. He wants you to know that He loves you. He says, Behold, I'm going to send you grain, new wine and oil. Folks, that might not mean much to you, but if you were living in this period of time, grain, wine, and oil were three essentials that you needed. You needed grain to make your bread. Bread was a staple. A lot of times that's all they had to eat was bread or some kind of mush that they could make out of. You needed the oil to work it up and to help make it. Uh, and so you had to have that. The wine, they didn't have refrigeration, so they did drink. And it was real wine, so don't get this. They, they, drank, they drank grape juice. They drank wine. It had to be fermented. It had to be put in jugs to keep because... You couldn't keep grape juice. So it, it was real wine. But they needed that to sustain us. And that's partly how they got their fruit. 
was from the grapes because if you you couldn't raise grapes year round in Israel, so if you wanted fruits which are highly a part of your diet, you needed some kind of fruit juice, and so that's some of the way they got it there. So that was God's blessing on them. He said, and you will be satisfied in full with them. In other words, I'm going to just give you enough to satisfy you, which is more than enough. Not that I'm going to just barely cover you. I'm going to give you enough to satisfy All because you turn to me, and I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. If you turn. You see, this is all based upon if they would come back to him. Right shortly after Joel, because we don't have an exact date with Joel, the last good king Israel had before the Babylonian exile was a king named Josiah. And immediately after Josiah's death in 609 B.C., the nation of Israel began to go backwards again until the Egyptians came in for a little while, and then, uh, then the Babylonians came, captured them, destroyed they were they lived in captivity. Depends on exactly if you do the first captivity or the later on, but it was on over around five forty five uh BC when the Persians began to let them go back. It took about a hundred years for them to rebuild the temple after that. But they were in exile, totally taken away from their homeland. The only people that were left was the but God said, if you will turn, and I will, I will do that. I'll remove this northern army from you. That, that could have been the Assyrians. It could have been the Babylonians. To get to Israel, you didn't go across the desert. You went up Mesopotamia and came down from the north. So they either came from Egypt at the south or came from the north. There was only two ways to get to Israel at the time. He said, I'll drive them out into the parts of the desert. He said, I'll fight. God's going to fight your battles. He said, I'll run your enemies off. I'll run them out in the middle of the desert if, if what? What we've been talking about, if what? If you return to me, you come back to me, I'll fight your battles, I'll bless you, I'll pour out all kinds of provisions for you. You come back to me. How many of you believe America is on the way out? I'm I'm afraid to tell you, if you think it's going to turn around, I I don't. I believe there may be a remnant. I might be a spiritual awakening. I don't believe as a nation we'll ever return back to what we have been. I think we're too far gone. And the only, if if we were to turn around, it would be at the in such a destructive manner, you still wouldn't recognize it as the society you know. It would have to get that bad. So what do we do? We got to, those of us here, we've got to walk with the Lord and let Him bless us individually or corporately. God may not bless this nation the way He would like to, but He can bless you in the midst of that. So now you can do persecuted and suffering. And why am I going through all that? And look over there at them folks. Mm-hmm. Now we can have regional revivals and movements where God works. 
But as a whole, our nation, and I, I'd love to be wrong on that, but I'm going to say we're gone. We're on the decline. Uh, just like nearly every other nation, if you look at historically, they, they did. But within the midst of that, God will keep a remnant there. But he just continues on, and the stench will arise. Uh, you ever smelt a dead animal that's been dead for three or four or five days? Can you imagine the stench of hundreds and thousands of animals laying around dead? People? Can you imagine what it smells like in Turkey and Syria right now? Last count, 35,000 people known dead. How many are still buried and been buried now for going on two weeks? I promise you, you will smell it before you'll ever see it. It's be pitiful. I may be grossing you out, but I'm telling you, death stinks. And God said, I'll take that stench away. I'll bless you, but you've got to do that if. Verse 21, he said, Do not fear, O land, rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Fear is a tool of Satan. Okay? Whatever you're fearful of, it says two things. I'm afraid because I don't think God can deal with this situation. And, uh, and fear will begin to dominate you because it causes you to have doubt. You will doubt God because you don't believe really deep down that He can protect you from that situation. Fear is not faith. You'll never have faith when you're living in fear. You've got to believe that you are who God wants you to be. You've got to believe He is able and you're willing to follow Him. I'm going to pick on Brad again because he made some pretty good testimony. He said he looked at what was going on and he had to make a decision. He said, do I pull the trigger or do I wait till things look better? He said, well, if I wait, I'll make a few more dollars next week or I'll lose a few more. i got to feed them anyway. So he pulled the trigger and said, they're out there. God blessed it. He put it in God's hands and said, okay. Well, what if he had not brought more? Could God still have blessed him? Lots of ways. Could have had more weight than originally planned. Could have cut expenses. Could have came up with some whole different idea. God's fully capable. But you've got to learn to live by that faith and trust Him in all those aspects. If you don't do that today, you will have a lot of trouble if we go through the tribulation period. Do not fear. He said, do not fear again, verse 22, beast of the field. He said, don't want the beast to fear or, or anybody else because the, pasture, the pastures are going to grow grass again. You know what? It bugs bothering you, Amy. 
Hey, look over at Daryl. Rear your head back and blow real hard. Well, it'd be easy to find. It ain't got no hair up there. You can just bounce it off her. I didn't want you to look at it this way and do it. Um, but we were in a drought last year. Bad drought. You know, I know lots of folks would be praying to God, we got just enough hay. Can we get here? Can we do that? And we would depend on God. But if it had not rained six inches in August, folks, we wouldn't have been cows worried about feeding right now. A two-inch rain in August last year would have done nothing but make you feel good. And then you would have been sad because it would have been gone in three days. God gave us the water we needed. And a lot of places didn't get it. California's been in a five-year drought. They've been wanting a lot, of, a lot of rain and snow, and they got it this year. I wish it quit snowing. I wish it quit raining. I wish it quit that. Well, yeah, when the last time it quit, you was wanting it to rain. It takes a lot of water to overcome a five-year drought. You better hope California makes it there or the breadbasket for most of the fruit and vegetables you eat. We don't get it from them or Florida. We get it from Mexico or down south. You don't want them in charge of your fruit and vegetables. Verse 23, rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God. I hope and pray you do that every day. For he has given you the early rain for your vindication. That's the rain in the springtime. Uh, it was very necessary for the oats and early crops that would be harvested. The winter wheat that's coming on needed that, that March, April rains. To, to set things in motion because they too, they're on just about the same latitude that we are here in Omaha, go straight across. And it's very dry in the summer. Their weather is almost identical to us. Uh, I was there in January of 1996 and uh, or 97, whichever year it was. Um, it was almost identical the way it is here. It'd be cold some days, warm some days. Uh, but they're very dependent on those spring rains, just like we are. Then they needed what's called the late rains, which would come in the fall to help that, that last crop, the dates and the grapes and all those things. So when he talks about early rains, that's what he's talking about, those springtime rains. Um, he said rejoice in that. Uh, he's going to give those to you. He has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain, those are those late rains. The threshing floors will be full of grain. Do you know what a threshing floor is? Anybody know what a threshing floor is? Other than just... They didn't have concrete, so they looked out for a, a big flat rock, a big one. You carried your grain over there in bushel basket. Wheat has a thing called chaff around it. Well, they would harvest it in bundles with the wheat still hanging on the end of the, the stalk. And they would take it over there. Sometimes they may have already done this, but they would take it and they would beat that straw to shake the, the, the grain off. It was a John Deere. It was a first long time ago John Deere thresher. You beat it by hand. You shake that grain off. Then you took it over to uh, this rock open area where it'd have a lot of wind. Then you would beat that grain head again, and you're knocking this 
chaff loose and stuff. Well, then somebody took a shovel or something and they threw it up in there, just over and over, throw it up in there. And what's the wind doing? Blowing the chaff away. Well, there weren't a lot of these, so a threshing floor was a, that was the sale barn. That's where everybody gathered up, waited and visited and got their harvest all in. And this was, this was a big thing, this harvest. And they'd all help one another and, and do that. But they were very, it was a gathering place. And so he, what he's saying is he said, this threshing floor was filled with grain. Oh, man, that makes a fella feel pretty good when he's worked all year. and He just abundant. I've got seed, I've got food, I've got stuff I can sell. We're going to eat good this year. I'm telling you, folks, when you've lived day by day in an agricultural society, those are things that you rejoice in. They didn't have a Walmart. They didn't have Super One or a Brookshire's to go to. And if you're one of these people that you don't care whether the farmer makes it or not, just do a little research. Walmart has no factories producing food. Brookshire's produces no food. They buy their food from somebody that's producing the food. And we're very dependent on it. And uh, they're very dependent on prices and rain. And you, you, you think you got a gambling problem? You ain't nothing till you've been with some of these big time farmers that look out there and, and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, buying tractors and then they go and they go to the bank and they borrow a bunch more money for fertilizer and then, then they borrow some more money for the seed and all that and they're betting we're going to survive the year and have a good crop. And then we're, they're, they're betting that corn prices are going to stay up or cattle prices are going to stay up. It, it, They'd be way money ahead if they took that money and went to the casino. They would make more money up there. Or wouldn't be any worse off. <laughs> but we would be up without. Folks, I'm telling you, when you you are dependent on agriculture, you're, you're totally dependent on it. Luckily today, we can ship it in from somewhere else. But there used to be an old bumper sticker that says, if you eat, you're involved in agriculture. This nation needed this. This is what they wanted and stuff. And God said, this will come if, if. God still pours out blessings on people right now if they will repent. If. They will come back to him. Sir? Yeah, yeah, today, uh, it's on, it's on, they are, they are the fruit suppliers for for 80 or 90 percent of everything going throughout europe that's one thing he told me in 96 if it's citrus bananas 
dates, olives. It, I, I forget, 80 or 90% of it came from Israel. They, they're a very small nation, but they are a very powerful nation and very wealthy because God has poured out that blessing on. And, and only and since 1948, folks, you know, 70 years, look what God's done to restore them from nothing. And a lot of that ground is desert. But they have farmed, they have taken water. Uh, there's so much going on over there. And they brought people from, from all around the world, Jewish people coming from all around the world to resettle God's chosen, given land for them. That's why the world hates them. But they're not, they're not doing anything wrong. They're coming home. Because God's gathering them up around the world and bringing them back. And I hope and pray you're not one of these people that hates the Jews and feel like it's wrong because this is a promise God made to them. This is fulfillment of Scripture that we're seeing. And another fulfillment, there will be nobody to protect them but God in the coming battles ahead. And they're coming. They're coming. You say, well, we're, we're their ally. We have been for about 70 years. But right now, you can pretty well bet this nation would not go to battle for Israel against Iran, China, or Russia. We might want somebody else. We may ship a few arms to them, but we won't fight for them. Because we're afraid that we're not politic, we don't want to be politically incorrect. But let me put this little deal out there: if, even if we wanted to, with China and the balloon stuff we're seeing, there's a deal called the EMP, electronic magnetic pulse. That you seeing that bug up here to me? Um, I began to research it several years ago and things, and it's readily available. It is a weapon that does not destroy people or or buildings or anything, but it's released from a high altitude, but it knocks out all the electronics, all the electronics. It, it, it's it's the side effect of a nuclear blast which puts out an electronic magnetic pulse. It's that wave that comes and destroys all electronics. Well, they've determined how to produce that without the explosion. The thing that was always difficult, they said that they didn't worry about terrorists doing it because the delivery. It has to be something that's uh, exploded high above the ground to be effective. You didn't put it in a truck and blow it up low. For it to be effective, it had to be real high and go out. The higher, the better. It would go out. How high was the Chinese balloon? No, it was higher than that. Between 58 and 60,000. Those last four were around 40,000. But the first one, the big one, was from 58 to 60,000. They said that same balloon was capable of doing over 100,000 feet. 
Now just say, just say, they flew one of those with a bomb, one of these EMPs, over the West Coast and over the East Coast, just two of them, and set them off. New York is what, besides full of idiots? It's the financial capital of the, the world. It's sure enough the financial ca uh, headquarters of the United States. Government, every decision is being made. The West Coast, your food, various things. that you Just two of them from 60,000 feet on up explode. Not kill a soul. But your computer wouldn't work, your car wouldn't crank, your electricity wouldn't come unless you've got a generator. Power plants would be knocked out. Communication would be knocked out. You wouldn't know what's going on because phone doesn't work. Computer don't work. TV don't work. Nothing works. You just get up one day and reckon what happened. I have no electricity. Your food in that refrigerator is on its way out. So see, we don't have to be totally destroyed. We're so dependent on computers and satellites and everything. Our military is totally dependent on this stuff. They couldn't move from base. They couldn't move from... The ships would be lost. They can't hardly operate now, some of them, without running over one another with the electronics they've got. Planes couldn't fly. When I'm hit and you're on an airplane, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go down like that. You just go ahead and kiss your rear end goodbye because you're gone. Can't fly. But all that's going to stop. So either the United States chooses not to defend Israel or we can't. And all that's a possibility in the very near future. And that's just one of the scenarios. I don't, you know. The thing about it is it takes somebody out and never destroys. And it's really not much of a way to, to counter that. If we send off nuclear devices, if Russia sends nuclear devices, we're automatically, before they ever hit the ground, we're sending them back. So nobody wins in that situation. An EMP goes off, nothing you can do. Get mad. Pull out your AR and go to shoot it up in the sky. Think, I wish I could hit something. But they don't have to come. They don't have to land soldiers. They don't have to do anything. But the nation of Israel will survive. And we're not many days away from that. Anyway, that's dealing with prophecy and various things. But I'm telling you, folks, we're in some interesting times. And God's going to raise up His church and raise up His people. And if you're walking with Him, somehow, some way, He's going to make it so we survive. Or He's going to take us home, one of the two. All right? He fed His children in the wilderness for 40 years. Their shoes, their clothes didn't wear out. They ate manna and quail for 40 years. I'm all right with a quail. I don't know about 40 years worth, but I'm all right with quail. 
I'm, I'm all right with bread. It's not best for my diabetes, but you know what? I'm not going to worry about that either. Uh, I'll just go ahead and trade this old body in for another one. But God's in the miracle working business to those who trust Him. But you've got to have some faith. You've got to get out and realize that. You've got to live by that every day. And when you do that, you will see those blessings that Joel's talking about. See, that's, Joel's, it's history, but it's a picture of how God operates. And that's all it is. God's saying, this is how I deal with people. What are you going to learn from it? What are you going to do with it? And that's our question. Father, we thank you for giving us the book of Joel and so many of the other prophets. And we, I'm thankful that you're always do the same today as you did then that judgment comes around for all those that are rebelling but every time judgment is being pronounced or sent there's still a door of uh, of repentance and restoration right beside it but that's our choice what do we do with it do we walk with you and serve you do we trust you or do we look to you and say prove yourself one more time i pray that you've already and well i know you've shown yourself and proven yourself enough times for me that i don't have to do anything but trust you and i hope and pray everybody here has seen enough to know that you are the God of all creation. You're the God who redeems. You're the God who takes care. You're the God who provides. We have nothing to fear but fear itself because we are your children. And if we're doubting that, then we need to deal with that issue. But for those who are born again and truly saved, may they never be shaken away from that faith that they have but grow that faith each and every day. Use this church, use this body to make a difference in people's lives. And may your word always go out from this place to encourage people to come to you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Y'all have a good week. Going to get a little shower tonight, but it'll be all right.